0: Have we come across any wreckage of any kind of um, object that has now been examined by you? The UAP task force doesn't have any wreckage that isn't uh, explainable,
1: that that isn't consistent with being of terrestrial origin.
0: Do we have any sensors underwater uh, to um, detect on submerged UAPs? Uh, anything that is in the ocean or in the seas.
1: So I think uh, that would be more appropriately addressed in closed session, sir.
0: Okay. Is it unimaginable to suppose that an unidentified flying object could be lying on the bottom of the ocean? Based on that testimony from a recent congressional hearing about UFOs, also known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAPs, it is definitely imaginable. And it happens to be one of the plot twists in a new science fiction novel from Harry Turtledove, who does a masterful job of writing an alternate history for the Watergate era in 1974. Greetings, Earthlings. I'm Alan Boyle, one of your hosts for the Fiction Science Podcast, coming to you from the place where science and technology intersect with fiction and popular culture. Join me and my co-host, science fiction author Dominica Fetaplace as we talk with Harry Turtledove about his new book, Three Miles Down, and the strange but true story behind his fictional tale of an alien encounter. Harry Turtledove has been called the master of alternate history, thanks to novels that describe worlds where, for example, The Confederate States of America won the Civil War, or where aliens invaded Earth in the midst of World War II. His latest book, Three Miles Down, hits closer to home. It takes place in 1974, during the Watergate crisis. But the drama of Richard Nixon's fall from power plays out strictly in the background. Instead, Harry adds some twists to a different real-life story— the CIA's multibillion-dollar classified effort to raise a sunken Soviet sub from the bottom of the Pacific using a ship known as the Hughes-Glomar Explorer. So, what if that effort, known as Project Azorian, was itself a cover story for an even more secret project involving aliens, That's the premise of Three Miles Down, and as the tale unfolds, you can't help thinking about our current age of Watergate-style disinformation and deception. When Dominica Fetiplace and I sat down for a Zoom conversation with Harry Turtledove, the first question we asked was about the CIA spy story. How much did Harry know about the Glomar Explorer and Project Azorian before he started writing the book?
1: I knew very little i had seen one of those documentaries that you watch in the middle of the night about the glomar explorer you know when on one of the channels that show documentaries about that kind of stuff and i sort of vaguely remembered it and i was leafing through a remainder catalog you know to see what kind of books i'd want and i saw a book on project azorian and it occurred to me to wonder what if the sub didn't sink itself by an accident? What if there was something on the bottom of the sea that sank it? And that was the idea and I got the book and I read the book and I read a bunch more books and about 6 you know in about 6 weeks I started writing and I wrote.
0: And Watergate?
1: Well, that? I mean it's happening just at the time when all that is going on. You know, I was I am old enough to remember that fairly well. I have a letter from Congressman Jerome Waldy thanking me for circulating impeachment petitions about Richard Nixon back in the day.
0: I was struck by a couple of passages that had a parallel between the way that people felt during Watergate and the way that I think a lot of people feel now, just in terms of- I have no idea what you could possibly (laughs) mean. (laughs) Did you go with that? Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, there there are enough parallels that it Sort of leaps out at you, and you aren't really being honest with yourself or your readers if you don't. And I mean, the only real difference is what's going on now is so much worse. My God, who would have imagined that back in 1974?
0: (laughs) Are there some technologies that you wish you could have included in the book, but you couldn't because it's set in 1974? Or are there particular twists in the book that make more sense because it's the 1970s?
1: Well, it's you know, the advantage of not having social media is that it's much easier to keep your mouth shut about things and maintain a low profile. And I I think I use that because Jerry sort of just disappears while he's traveling cross country. As long as he, you know, he doesn't, he's not using, he's not phoning anybody. He's using cash. He's got a car people don't know about and he's good. It would be harder now.
2: And I was wondering uh, while you're doing your research, if you came across any cool UFO reports or any underwater UFO reports?
1: I really didn't. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I thought, okay, they're down there. Their starship had an accident. It's down there. Let's bring it up and see what happens.
2: Were you interested at all in like the astrobiology angle or the scientific angle of these aliens?
1: Uh, You know, without, without giving, without too many spoilers, it, it turns out to be not spectacularly relevant to the story they breathe oxygen which is good there's nothing in their ship that's immediately lethal to us which is also good for the purposes of the story i was telling
0: i love the fact that the book's main character is a whale biologist as well as a science fiction fan are there any Easter eggs or particular twists you want to draw attention to? Uh, did you have to do some research into uh, whale sounds? I or- did, yes, I
1: did. I did do some homework about whales, and I've listened to a bunch of whale songs. Some of them, you know, at regular speed, and some of them speed it up, and they really do. They sound amazingly like birdsong when they're speeded up. It's it, it's great.
0: Can we yeah. expect uh, whale songs to play a part in the plot going forward?
1: Right at the moment, there is no plot going forward. I <laughs> I, I wrote this as a standalone.
0: Really? I, oh, it wow. is a standalone. I assumed that there was a cliffhanger going in here, and that nope, the next. No, book... it's it's not a cliffhanger. I
1: did I did the things that I was interested in doing. I mean, you know, several people who have reviewed it have assumed that. That was a cliffhanger. It was not intended to be so. It was. The proof is left to the student, if you like. Wow.
2: Well, We're being optimistic. We're, we're such uh, huge fans of your work. And in the past, you've done these like multi-volume series. Yeah. I was kind of hoping you'd take it all the way up to the present <laughs> and give an alternate timeline. Uh, do you ever think about doing that, writing uh, an alternate timeline for the present?
1: Ah. Uh... It has been known to happen. You know, I'm trying to sell something right now, so I'm not going to talk much about it.
0: (laughs) Good on you. You weave some real-life characters into the story. Uh, one of those characters is Stephen Dole, a researcher at the RAND Corporation, yes. who re- really did study planetary habitability and the conditions for living in Oh, space. yes.
1: That's a that's a wonderful book. I have I have a copy
0: of it. As a matter, as a
1: matter of fact, I got my copy of it from Jerry Purnell.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jerry Purnell is another one who is a well-known science I, I fiction knew, writer. I knew
1: Jerry for many, many years. and uh, He was he a character. Has an interest in science fiction. He has an interest in politics. He has an interest in the space business. I thought he would be a very logical person to put into this when I found a place to do it.
0: Yeah. Is that something that you do in other books, in uh, characters that you've known to embellish the story? I think every
1: writer does that. They don't always leave them under the same name, but the people that one sees... In books are often people that the writer knows in real life. Uh, Steve Sterling and I have been friends for many, many years, and there is someone based on me in some of his books, and there is someone based on him in some of mine. You know, yeah, oh yeah, that happens all the time.
0: And the main character in this book is... uh science fiction writer on the side as well as a whale biologist and that gives you an opportunity to pepper the book with all sorts of science fiction literature references uh how were you guided to do that
1: this fellow although his academic specialization is different from mine and he is more successful as a writer than i was at the same time i was trying but i didn't sell for another couple of years i mean Both he, you know, the 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 main character and I were both in grad school at UCLA at that time. So, yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of this is 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 write what you know, except alter it a bit.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned grad school, your education and uh, your training is as a historian, right? Yes. So I'm wondering, like, uh, how does that background influence your writing in fiction?
1: Well, okay, there's a story that goes with this. (laughs) Uh, I was, when I was in my early teens, a red-hot science person, and I got into Caltech, and I flunked out of Caltech at the end of my freshman year because calculus was much tougher than I was. And I was looking for something else to do, and I had bought... L. Sprague decamps lest darkness fall, which drops a modern, well, modern in 1939 when it was written. Modern man back into Ostrogothic Italy in the 6th century AD when the Byzantine Empire is trying to reconquer it. And I started trying to find out how much Sprague was making up and how much was real. And the answer turned out to be making up very little and most of it was real. And I got hooked. And I ended up studying Byzantine history and getting a doctorate in Byzantine history because I picked up a book in a secondhand bookstore. And because I picked up that book and got hooked on the subject matter of that book, let's see. I studied what I studied. I've written what I've written. I would have written something anyway because I already had the bug much of my writing though is based on you know learning how to research history and learning about that kind of stuff i wouldn't be married to the lady that i'm married to because i met her when i was teaching at UCLA when the professor under whom i had studied had a guest gig in Athens for a couple of years i wouldn't have the kids i have i wouldn't be where i'm living where i'm living you know, this is, this is alternate history on the micro historical level, you know, you know, other than that, you know, finding less darkness fall when I was 14 years old didn't change my life at all. Right.
2: (laughs) What are some other like books and authors that have had an influence on you? Perhaps not that great of an influence, but
1: certainly not that great an influence. Um, I mean, all right. When it, came to writing to learning what a story is and how to tell a story i mean obviously the two people that i learned the most from were sprague de camp and paul anderson and uh, i was lucky enough to be able to tell both of them so which was kind of cool and there there have been three or four hapless people who told me they started studying byzantine history because of stuff i'd written which you know, is pleasing and horrifying at the same time.
0: <laughs> right. I don't know whether they should uh, credit you or blame you for that. <laughs> That's
1: exactly what I'm talking about. Yes.
0: <laughs> Speaking of alternate histories, uh, if someone were to do an alternate history of this timeline, uh, what do you think would be the most interesting aspect of it to play? Well,
1: with? you know, um, i did a twitter thread back a couple of years ago now you know imagining if author me were pitching a book to an editor about 2020 in say 1998 right yeah and i'd talk about the pandemic because it was going on then and how it would spread from china and it would spread very quickly because of travel and everything and then it would hit new york And all of, you know, I mean, all of this would make perfect sense to an editor in 1998. And then I would talk about things like, and a lot of people don't want to wear masks and a lot of people, you know, and when we get a vaccine, a lot of people don't want to get vaccinated. And he'd go, why? Because he's a reasonably sane man, unlike most of us. (laughs) I'm, I'm thinking of a particular editor in 1998, whom I will not name, but he is a very sane fellow. I still know him. Uh, and I would explain that all of this stuff has become political. And if you do the stuff that will help protect you from the virus, you are suddenly on the wrong side of the politics. And you go, ooh, this is pretty dark, isn't it? And I said, it gets worse because, you know, cell phones are much more advanced in 2020 than they are in 1998. It's like having a little computer in your pocket. And there's all kinds of information on them and disinformation and misinformation. And how do you tell one from the other? And then I, and then I went, Oh, and there's one thing I didn't tell you while all this is going on. Donald Trump is president of the United (laughs) States. Get the fuck out of my office.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, that that would just be too much. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I hope that we can write a happy ending to this story. I, I don't know, you're, you're so uh, well-tuned into alternate universes that uh, I'm hoping that you can come up with the plot twist that gets us out of this dark thread.
1: For a long time, my pin tweet on Twitter was, I didn't mean to be topical.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and boy, I didn't. You know, of all the things I never imagined when I became an old man.
0: <laughs> uh, do you have uh, any uh, favorite uh, first contact stories? Uh, I don't know if you did any research into that whole first contact phenomenon in science fiction. I, I've,
1: there- read, I've read a fair number of them, starting with, you know, Murray Leinster's that originally created the phrase, you know, the, the first contact, which ran an astounding back in like 46 where we and the aliens trade starships with each other, so we can go back to our home worlds, and we and, and, and our interpreter and their interpreter decide that we're going to be friends because uh, you know they, they've spent the time telling each other dirty jokes once they understood each other well enough.
0: <laughs> it's been something that has been addressed in in so many stories, uh, but I think that uh, the twist that you play on with this story is very unique. It's really grounded in our our own history. And uh, uh, I did grow up in the Watergate times. I I remember following that story. And Mm -hmm. uh, I just love imagining that there's this whole hidden story that's happening at the same time that these historic events are unfolding. And so, uh,
1: you know, even... Without the alien starship, there was that whole hidden story. The, the CIA spent about literally as much money as it would have taken to put a man on the moon. It's, they spent a moon mission's worth of money to, to get the Russian submarine up from the bottom. And then the claw broke, you know, three quarters of the way up. And most of the submarine, including most of the good stuff, fell right back down again <laughs> Or did oh, it?
2: Did it just put a second man on the moon? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm wondering if you have, you know, because you're so into history and also making predictions, if you have any like predictions for our timeline in the historical sense?
1: Oh, no, I never do that. Okay. It's bad. It's getting worse. I mean, but that's obvious. That's not a prediction.
2: Uh, have you read any good books lately? Or are there any TV shows you're watching, movies, podcasts?
1: I have been reading a lot of a fellow that I knew for many years. He was a writer who never achieved the notoriety or the notice that he deserved. His name was William Sanders. He was he died a couple of years ago. He was a few years older than I am. He was in his mid-70s then. Uh, very fine writer who just never got the notice and it ate at it.
0: Is there anything that's eating at you, something that you want to do with your career that you haven't been able to do so far?
1: I'm 73 years old. I'm not going anywhere fancy, for God's sake. I know better. That's not going to happen. It just isn't.
0: Thanks to Harry Turtledove and Tor Books for a great interview. For more about Harry and his books, plus background on the story of the Glomar Explorer and the real-life congressional hearing that you heard about at the top of the show, check out my blog item on CosmicLog.com. You will also find links to some of the books that Harry mentioned during the podcast. While you're online, check out DominicaFetaPlace.com. Don't worry about the spelling. Just follow the link from the Cosmic Log item. Thanks to James M. Lee for his rendition of the fiction science theme music composed by yours truly, Please subscribe to our Fiction Science Podcast and feel free to give us a stellar rating on your favorite podcast channel. And so, until next time, this is Alan Boyle advising you to watch the skies.